back and uh, I've been working on, it was probably in the fall when I took a break from the, uh, the letters to the seven churches. So I'm going to pick it up today. I know Easter's just around the corner. Can you believe it? But I want to pick up again in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. Revelation 2, 18 through 29. Now, I may do it a few more weeks. I, I've got, according to the letters, I have four more churches that I must talk about. Uh, I may do one or two more, and then I might put it on hold again until after Easter. I'm not really sure. I'm just trying to see how we can do this. But if you're joining us today, and you're new, or maybe you're not a Christian, you're like, what is this seven letters to to the church. What is that? What does it have to do with me and my job? Well, it really has to do a lot because Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to help us to have a relationship with God. Jesus came to be our king, our shepherd. And, and he now is speaking through his uh, apostle John. And John is received, has received uh, a vision from heaven. And he's receiving a message for people, a message for the church. And so now we're, we're on now the, the third letter, I believe, to the third church in, in Thyatira. In, in Revelation 2, 18 to 29, turn there in your Bible if you have it on your on your electronic device. I don't have all the scriptures, but I just have it. And I want you to, as I'm reading this, just follow along. Father, in Jesus name, I humble myself. I want to be your vessel. I want to speak your life, your truth, because Jesus, you didn't come to condemn us. You came to help us, to set us free, help us to be free of the, the stuff that we get messed up with, God, and that you are here to set us free. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Revelation 2, 18 through 29. It says this, To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet like burnished brass. I know your deeds, your love and faith and your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads me, uh, misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on her bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent for her ways of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Verse 24. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who, who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does, not, and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, and he will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I received authority from my Father, I will also give him the, the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now you think, wow, Pastor, that's, whoa, that, that's not the Jesus I learned about. Well, you need to learn the Jesus of the Bible. He is loving, he is just, he's a caring shepherd, but he's also holy. He also cares about his church. He also cares to set us free. And so the title of the message, now some of you are like, what, Pastor, you're, what, what? You're going to be like insensitive. You're going to be one of those intolerant people. I'm going to talk about the Bible, okay, and Jesus and how we have to be careful not to listen to the ways of the world because I'm tired of believers trying to be Christians according to what the world tells us instead of following Jesus and doing what he asks us to do. It's really, it's a confusing world we live in. 
And when we think of tolerance, in fact, the title of the message is the, the danger of tolerance. You see, I tolerate going to the dentist when they have to drill my teeth. I tolerate having to pay taxes. I mean, it's just part of life. Uh, and so when we think of tolerance or intolerance, we can get into a big debate of, of what it is and, and what it's about. If it's good, it's not good. I mean, all that stuff. And I'm not trying to get into politics, but tolerance usually has varying message. Every, every person, when you think of tolerance and what society says, you have a different definition of what it is. And political correct tolerance is supposed to mean that it's supposed to mean that we accept everyone, regardless of their beliefs or politics, uh, their economic standing, their gender and their race. But what it's really saying is that everything is equal until you are different. And if you're different and you don't believe the way the rest of us believe, you are intolerant. And so we have to be careful because social, political, correct tolerance can be very dangerous and you say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 pastor. Are you saying I'm not to love you? That's not, I didn't say that at all. You're to love all people. Everyone deserves respect. Jesus loved all people. But you and I would not allow someone who maybe they, they have a sword. Well, I'm supposed to talk. And this, they're just swinging that sword all over the place, chopping people's hands. Well, hey, that makes them happy. I'm supposed to accept them. That's not wise. And so what happens? Well, well, that's, whoa, pastor. So what happens in social, polite, politically correct Tolerance is we have to accept everyone, whether they're harmful or not, whether their beliefs are dangerous or not, and we must not push our values on people. Well, the problem is everyone has values and everyone wants to push their values on each other. And so which values are right? Which values are wrong? Which values? And so the, this, this intolerant mindset of tolerance for everyone, it, it separates and points out certain people. And if we don't accept that, then we are intolerant. What does it have to do with us? What does it have to do with the church in Thyatira? Well, here's the thing. You see, again, we live in a world that's trying to force us to abandon our faith in God and our beliefs in Jesus in order that we must work to eat, to be educated. Even to live in this society, we must be like them. And Jesus says, you are to follow me. Be like me because Christians actually, followers of Jesus, make a big difference in the world. We are salt and light. We are the ones that actually help the world out. And so this intolerant mindset of tolerance was being faced here to the church in Thyatira. Now, we're going to get a little historical just for a second. Jesus is speaking to this church because they are told to be tolerant. They're saying, hey, you Christians are supposed to be loving people. And how dare you judge me? And in fact, in order for you to be a part of the guilds, the trades, to live in this community, to work and live, you must be tolerant of our practices. Even though you may not agree with it, you must be tolerant of it. And, and so they were using this love of Jesus against the church there in Thyatira. And if you're not careful, we're hearing the same thing. You Christians are supposed to be all loving and forgiving. How dare you judge me? And really, it's not our job to judge anyone. But we're to follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, when you try to live like him, his lifestyle brings conviction. But it does it to set us free, to heal us. And so this church here in Thyatira, they were facing the same dilemma. In order to be a part of the trade guilds, they had to hold on to and accept the idolatry and the sexual immorality that the society was telling them was normal. And he's speaking to this church and he's saying, it's beginning to poison you. I see your good deeds. I see your love. But it's beginning to poison. You're beginning to accept the tolerance of the world. And you're beginning to become like them. 
just because you're trying to get ahead, you're trying to get a job, you're trying to be educated, and that's, that's fine in those aspects, but now you're becoming like them. And he calls out a specific person who calls himself a prophet, okay? Pastor Stan, what does that all have to do with us? Well, why should we be concerned about a message to the church from the first century to a church that's no longer in existence? Because that church is no longer in existence. Because it fell to the culture instead of being the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see, the church in the Western nations, in the Western world, we're playing with fire because we're being poisoned by this tolerant society telling us that we must accept everyone, whoever they are, and we must, in fact, even practice what they practice. You say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, except for when it goes against the ways of God, when it enslaves us and it causes trouble. Are you ready to see how this letter can help us today? Yes? Amen online? I'm going to go on, okay? So let me just give you a background. Thyatira, okay? So Thyatira was a city that was located about 30 miles inland. So it's not on the coast. So the the seven churches are now what's in modern-day Turkey, along the coast, somewhere a little further inland. Uh, And so this is now what they call Ephesus, the, 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 the... the Ephesus area. And so now it's, it's now in what we call modern-day Turkey. Um, and so this, it was an outpost known. First, there was a group of soldiers that came and put an outpost. Then the trade guilds came in. They started selling. and uh, They were known for their clo- clothes-making, clothes-making, clothes, clothes, attires-making. They, they had dyeing, pottery. The marketplace of it was filled with weavers, uh, leather workers, potters, bronze workers. And it was more connected to the pagan worship, the pagan festivals, that what they were building and doing was to help the temple there and, and the worship of, of, the, uh, of the Roman god, of the Roman uh, uh, Caesar, because remember Caesar was considered god at this time, and also the Greek gods, because Ephesus was part of the, the Hellenistic Greek culture. Pastor, what does that have to do? Well, these Christians who were involved in the marketplace of the city, they were under great pressure to bow to these idols. They would even say, in order for you to get a job promotion, to get this job, you have to come to the temple with us and you have to do these acts. And so some of the Christians were like, no, but they were starving. And some of the Christians said, well, listen, I don't believe in it, but I'm just going to do it because I need to feed my family. And so now Jesus is writing a letter to this church. He's saying, listen, I see your love. And so if you look at these letters, there was always a couple of things. There was, it was like a sandwich. There was, here's the good, here's the bad, but here's the good again, okay? So Jesus never condemns us and says, you're bad, but he says, listen, that's dangerous for you. Here's how to get out of it. This is a loving God. Come on, amen? Come on, amen. So the first is this, a beautiful garden. A beautiful garden. So spiritual growth is spoken about. So Jesus, he speaks about this growth. He says, I see your growth. I see that you're getting better at it. And Jesus speaks about in the New Testament, if you look at his Gospels, he talks about the seed of the Gospel. When it takes root into someone, it begins to grow. And, and the, the, the way your soul is, your heart will, will, will help the growth or not help it. And so he says, the fertile soil of your soul is bringing abundant faith. It's growing. And when we connect with him, Jesus said, if we connect with him, you will bear much fruit. And so they understood that Christ expected fruit in their lives. Christ still expects spiritual fruit in their lives. Say, God expects spiritual growth from my life. 
So each of us are responsible for our spiritual growth. You can't trust your pastor all the time. You can't depend on your mom, your dad, your spouse, your neighbor. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. You. Say you. Me. All right. So here it is. He says this, Revelation 2.19. I know your deeds, your love, faith, your service and perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. So Jesus highlights it. He says, here's some fruit. I commend you for it. John 15, 8 says this. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing, your, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And my question for me, my question for you, for us online is, is our faith in Christ growing? Is it growing? Is it growing? And, and, and so sometimes as a pastor, pastor, I'm not being fed. I'm not growing. Well, that's not on me. That's on you. I mean, I do the best that I can that I have life-giving messages. But if you are not taking the seed and you're not allowing it to cultivate in your life, that is on you. And we can't stand before God one day, well, it was President Trump, it was President Biden, it was Pastor Jay, it was my mom, it was my dad. God's not going to say, no, the seed was given to you. Did you let it grow in your life? Did you cultivate it? Did you make it grow? Well, you know, I was busy with this and that. That's not the question I asked. What did you do with it? And so God gives the seed of the gospel. The gospel has been presented in this nation. Uh, they, you know, I, I don't even know the statistics anymore. But most people in the United States of America, not all, have heard the gospel at least nine times. In other parts of the world, there's people in, the, in, the, in the other parts of the world that have never heard it at all. And so we keep hearing the gospel over and over and over. I'm not growing. I, what's, what's wrong with my church? Really, it shouldn't always be about the church, but it's like, what, what are you doing with that gospel? That's good preaching, amen? amen? So the question here, though, if you, and we didn't, I don't want to go off to him, but the church in Ephesus, they were falling back. But here he's commending this church in Thyatira. And again, my question for you and I is, are we becoming more like Jesus or more like the world? He's not going to ask you if you watch Fox News or MSNBC. He's not going to ask you to vote a Democrat or Republican. He's going to ask you, did you follow Jesus Christ? Did you become more like him? So the next thing in this, in this beautiful garden, letter A, letter B is poisonous weed, a poisonous weed. So in this beautiful garden, in this church, a poisonous weed was, a, was, was now being allowed to grow. A malignant vine had begun to form and the enemy was using it to poison the minds and hearts of some of the church. And because of their willingness to accept all, their, their thought of loving tolerance that was being told to them, by being forced to them by their culture, now their church was being poisoned. Believers are being deceived. And you see, in my backyard, in my home, there are these evil vines. Okay, it's called poison ivy. They might look nice, but they grow in my backyard. And if I don't deal with them, they'll take over. In fact, you can ask my family. They, they think I'm obsessed with it. You know why I'm, I'm obsessed with get, getting rid of the poison ivy? Because I break out in the highs. And if you've ever had poison ivy on your skin it, and, and the, the blisters, it's not fun. And so last spring, I, I noticed that there was this one of these little poison ivy vines starting to slowly grow up. And I thought, you know what? It's still not completely warm yet. You know, uh, I'll just let it be. I'll come back to it, you know, maybe next week. And so I was like busy, you know, just like, you know, we're busy. I come back to it the next week. It's not this little sprig. Now it's like beginning to grow up along the tree. It's beginning to spread out. It's like, oh my goodness. 
Pastor Dan, you're, you're being obsessive with this stuff. Well, here's what happens. I have two little dogs, okay? And they get all over the place, run out in the weeds. They run along the fence. They run the trees. They rub themselves on that. And this oil, if you, this oil, that it, it's so pervasive that it can get on the, 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 your clothes and your skin and it never goes away until you completely wash. And so if, the, if my dogs are messing around and they come in the house and I pet them, guess what? I've now been poisoned. So we live in this pervasive society. And this root of evil, this perversion by the world or this lie is being told to us. And we're like, it's okay, it's okay. But what happens is we begin to rub our shoulders and this, this thing gets on us and it begins to poison us. It begins to infect us. It begins to infect our thinking. You know, that's ah, okay. It's okay. It's not that bad. It's not bad. And eventually then, as we keep saying it's okay, it's okay, I, you know, I, don't really, I shouldn't be judging it. Then it begins to come into our mind and our spirit. And we begin to think it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, I'm not like them yet, but, you know, I'm still over here. But what happens is we begin to lower our standards. We begin to think what, what's wrong one time is now okay. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just saying, so what's happening now, just like this poison ivy that I must not tolerate, you and I must be in our guard that this poison of the world, this cultural tolerance of everybody doing what they want, it's not okay. It's not okay because it causes trouble. And I'm not being judgmental, but I'm just saying you can't just let everyone do what they want because it's destructive. And in my backyard, I have to, it's, I, it's vigilant. I, I mean, my family's going to be obsessive, but I mean, I see it growing up. I spray it. I mean, it, it costs time. It costs effort. I have to work at it so that my family can enjoy the backyard, that I can enjoy the backyard, the fruit that God has given us. And so in the same sense, for your even spiritual growth, you have to be on guard. Not judgmental, just be on guard. So he's saying to this church in Thyatira, there's great growth, but there's poison that's now there. This poisonous vine has come up. You need to deal with it. That's what he was saying, deal with it. And so let me go on, verse, verse 20 and 21 in, in uh, Revelation 2. It says this, where's my glasses? So... I turned 56 yesterday and I keep saying my books and and all the stuff I read, all the 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 fonts just keep growing smaller and smaller. I don't know what's going on. So you'll get that when you get older. Okay. verse 20. Nevertheless, I, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she mis- misleads my servants into sexual morality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is willing. Now, some of you have tuned me out because I've talked about tolerance and tolerance and I've talked about our society. I, I want you to hear. Come on. This, this is truth. You've got to listen to it. OK, come on. Listen. Listen to the whole thing today. And so now, number two is the not so. Not all so good. Yeah, let me repeat again. Not. Is it there? There we go. Not all so-called prophets are good. Not all so-called prophets are good. Letter A is, aren't we supposed to love everyone? Yes, we're supposed to love everyone. So the church in Thyatira had love, but they tolerated evil. And specifically this self-appointed prophet. And if you recall in the Old Testament, the first Jezebel was an evil woman and she she introduced uh, idol worship and she had people killed in the name of God through her husband. This New Testament Jezebel whether that's her name or not, um, but is an actual person who called herself a prophet. Now, the New Testament doesn't say that only men can be ministers. It doesn't say that at all. It says that 
When we're in Christ, there's neither male nor female, uh, Jew or Greek, slave. We're all one in Christ. So in the New Testament, a, a man or a woman can be a preacher, a teacher, apostle, a prophet. They can be called of God. But what's happening now is in this church, they're skewed, tolerant love by society. You're supposed to tolerate. You're supposed to love everyone. You're supposed to accept everyone. So now this, this prophet, so-called prophet, comes into the church and says, I have a, a new teaching from God. That we can, we, because we're enlightened now, because we live in an enlightened culture, we can, we can do these sexual acts. We can sacrifice to idols. It's okay because I am a prophet from God and I have the special teaching and it's okay. And so what happened was they began to believe this, this Jezebel. Aren't we supposed to love all people, pastors? Yes. You can still love people without agreeing with everything. Come on, you love me and you don't agree with me, right? I don't love you, pastor. Well, that's, that's another issue. When I look at people, I try to say, God, help me to see every person the way you see them, not the way I see them. Because I judge people. Come on, you judge people. Don't, I don't ever do it. Okay, you can repent for lying at the end of the service. We all judge people. We all, when we look at someone, we judge them. Wrong or right, sometimes we're right, often we're not. But we need to look at them through the eyes of Jesus, that God loves all people. He wants them all redeemed. He wants a relationship with them all. Amen? And so, however, I can look at someone and I don't have to, if they're doing something illegal, I don't have to like what they do. I can still love them and pray for them and help them. Come on, right? But you see, our culture judges us for not being tolerant. And they use our Christian love. Aren't Christians supposed to be loving? Absolutely. True love also sets limits. True love also sets limits. Whoa, pastor. No, Yeah, yeah. You see it here. Jesus is saying, I'm giving her time to repent. But if she doesn't repent, because what she's doing is hurting her, it's hurting a bunch of people. And so if you're in a relationship, well, I'm supposed to love them. And, and your partner beats you. Well, I'm supposed to love them. The beating is not right. And you're not to love that. If your partner steals from you, well, you know, I'm supposed to love them. You can still set limits. Say, no, this is wrong. That's true love. Our culture says we're supposed to accept them everything. And if you don't accept them, then you're intolerant. That's, that's so immature. That's so not even logical. And so now this church is being told, hey, I'm a prophet. And, and, and I'm telling you, you can, you can be like that. And I'm telling you as a Christian, we can accept people, we can love them, but we don't have to accept evil. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Whoa, whoa, pastor, I'm tuning out. Don't tune out. If you really want to grow, you really want to mature, you really want to know what real tolerant love is, you need to stay the end. Right? Okay. Letter B. The temptation of secret teachings. The temptation of secret teachings. You see, we are drawn to secret teachings, prophecies, or special knowledge. Come on, right? We, everyone wants the inside track at work. You know, you want the inside scoop about the boss, right? Come on. You want the inside scoop about the person, you, you know, how, what? We want the inside scoop. We, we want this. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I know I might rile some of you. There's really no secret teachings in the Bible. 
Things are mysterious. Things we may understand, but God reveals himself through the Bible, through Jesus Christ. He'll give you all that you want if you just seek him. And so what's happening now is this this prophet, this self-proclaimed prophet comes in with a special teaching. I have this special teaching. If you follow me, if you buy my books, if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you'll be enlightened. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Ripped from the headlines of today. People are following TikTok, YouTube, social media, the news, and they're followed. They have this special teaching. Oh, you know, they're, you know, I don't even get off on the vaccines. That's a whole other thing. You know, if you take that vaccine, you're going to become, you're going to become a zombie. You're already a zombie right here. They're going to brainwash you. You're already brainwashed. Oh, they, they're going to track you with that chip that they gave you the vaccine. Oh, they, they track you now. Hello. But we want this secret knowledge, this secret teaching. And so this, this woman, I'm not saying nothing wrong with the woman. Because we have two awesome women preachers, pastors in our church. But this prophet, this self-proclaimed prophet comes in and says, I'm a prophet of God and I have this special teaching. Oh, what is it? Well, you've got to come to these meetings. And I'll tell you this special teaching. And it begins to infect the the body. What would happen, listen to this, what would happen in the university or public school system if a self-proclaimed teacher or professor started teaching false science, false medicine, or some other wrong teaching, right? How many of you could go to the University of Maryland? Of course, it's online. When they're back, you know, when they're back, how many of you could just show up one day? I'm Dr. Stan Nelson. Do you have a doctor? No, but I'm self-proclaimed. What do you teach about? I don't care. I'm going to teach about economics. What do you know about economics? You've never taken class? No, but I'm, I've got special teaching. They would go, oh, Dr. Stan Nelson, please go ahead. Go ahead. Right. What would they do? Security. We got a weirdo in the economics building calling himself Dr. Stan Nelson. Comply. Let's go. Get him out of here right now. Right. How many of you would go to the hospital? I'm I'm a surgeon. Have you ever been to medical school? No. But God told me I have special knowledge and I'll go and I'll. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, if I went into the surgeon room, who are you? I'm Dr. St. Nelson. We don't know who you are. Doesn't matter. I'm God by God. I'm a doctor. I saw some TV shows, so I know how to practice medicine. Right? You're like, Pastor, this is crazy. But it happens in the church. Every day. Every time you tune into some person online and they call themselves an apostle, prophet, a teacher, whatever. And you don't check their, their background out. And if they're not affiliated with the church, they don't have to have a degree. They can still be called, but they, the people around them know who they are. And you see, these systems would not tolerate it. In fact, in, in these systems, in the medical field, in, in the education system and in the, the, the college universities, you have to go through vetting. You have to have education. It doesn't mean you have to have a doctorate. I, I'm, I've met people that are intelligent, have no formal education, but they know their stuff. And even in the church, they may not have to go through an education. You don't have to be an, a, a, an ordained minister to be a minister. But if you're going to lead a church and you're going to call yourself a pastor, an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist or teacher, 
Not only do you know, need to know your stuff, you need to have a proven track record and you must be a part of a local church that has said, we certify that this person is called of God. And see, what was happening, this woman is coming in and she's saying, I'm called of God. And sadly, and I mean it, I it specifically in the Pentecost church, I see it more, is we will accept self-proclaimed apostles, teachers, preachers, and evangelists. And we'll be more, more quickly to tolerate them, especially if they're teaching. Please don't get me be angry. We will tolerate them, especially if their teaching has to do with end time prophecies and getting rich. We will like, oh, you, what? I can get rich through the gospel? How? Well, you've got to keep coming to my meetings. In fact, then you've got to keep giving me money and I'll show you how to get rich. Who's getting rich? Not you. <laughs> Come on. If you, oh, I mean, again, I mean, if you've seen my online teachings about End time prophecy. Pastors, you're going off on that. Well, because Jesus is giving me proper opportunity today. It's in the Bible. Revelation chapter 2. I have a problem with self-appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. And I'm tired of them ruining and hurting people. I'm tired of them deceiving the church. And as you know, I'm warning you. I'm warning the church. Be careful of self-appointed teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles, and teachers that are running rampant on the internet. And in my 33 years of full-time ministry, I've seen more people fall away because of this. I've seen more people become deceived, more combatant, uh, more confused because we tolerate these false preachers, these these self-appointed. You might be appointed by God, but God's going to show your appointing through the local church, through other pastors, evangelists, apostles. And so if any time someone says to you, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle. Well, okay, well, who are you affiliated? I'm affiliated with nobody. I'm going to tell you, you probably should run from them. Because if they're affiliated with nobody, it means they're not affiliated with God. Because God works through the church. He made the church. Jesus gave the church. If you ever hear an apostle, a prophet, a teacher tell you to leave the church, you need to run from that person. Because Jesus gave his life to start the church. There's no perfect church. But he's working through imperfect people. Come on, amen? So he's warning the church here. He's saying, be careful. In fact, 1 John 4, 1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have come out into the world. This is what John is saying. 2 Timothy, you can check it out through the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching. Listen, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, we like the teaching part, but we don't like rebuking. We don't like correcting. No one likes that. No one likes being corrected. No one likes being called out. And because we live in this tolerant society, I have had pushback when, when someone comes in and I'm, I'm not sure about them. Whoa, pastor, we're supposed to love them. Well, but I'm not sure. There, there's something wrong with the spirit. Their teaching's not right. And I mean, I'll get in big trouble if I start naming off people that I see on the Internet and TV and I name them by name. Some of you will hate me. Because there's a lot of false prophets on social media, even on some of the Christian TV. And if they have to tell you to give money so they can continue to live in their billionaire home, willing their billionaire clothes and flying their billionaire jet. There's something wrong. Well, pastor, you call, you call us to give. I don't have a billionaire home. I don't have billionaire clothes. I drive a 2014 Kia Soul. 
Whoa, better than my car. It's paid off. Thank God for that. I'm just concerned that the church is falling for that. 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 16. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Listen, avoid worthless YouTube videos. Oh, no, wait, I didn't say that. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. So he's now warning the church. Let her see. Let her see. I got to move on. Okay, you still love me, right? Because I love you no matter what. I love all people. Libertine. Now, that's not a mistype. Libertine leads to pain, not liberty. Don't look it up now, but hopefully most of you understand what libertine means. It's not a good godly thing. Some people, it means a free thinker. I'm a free thinker too. But I also have guidelines. And there are some things I know that if I think about that, it's going to lead me to destruction. So I don't even need to think about it. But really, liberty means a person who has no sexual morals and they do what they want because this is the way they were born. This is just the way they want. That we're not, we're enlightened now, but that, that's not a good thing. I'll talk about that in a moment. So this Jezebel was teaching them that they could practice sexual morality because they had this anointing of deep things. And they were supposedly enlightened. And they probably used Paul's teachings, Paul the Apostle's teachings, that we have liberty to do what we want. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.19, he says, I'm free. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So they're saying, see, Paul says you can do what you want. But then he says, Paul then says later to the church in Galatians in, in 5 verse 13, for you, brethren, have not been called, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And then Peter says this, 1 Peter 2.16, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves or servants. The word there is doulo, servant. You see, we live, and I, I know this is, I'm not, I know this is a, supposed to be a PG or a G sermon. It's, it's, a, it's a truth sermon. I'm not going to get off, I'm not going to get R, but we live in a sex-crazed society. It has infected everything. God, listen, God made sex between one man and one woman in one marriage, Okay? But this libertine spirit, which so I can do what I want, you sure can, but it's not always right. It's not always healthy. This libertine spirit, it has consequences. And it actually enslaves people. They think, well, I, I, I'm not any constraint, constraint to some old-fashioned Bible thing. Well, God gives constraints to heal you, to help you, so that you can have true liberty. And so this libertine spirit has consequences. It actually enslaves those who think it liberates them. Broken hearts, broken relationships, STDs, treating others as an object for your pleasure. Born this way, and I'm not trying to be mean, causes deep emotional stress, depression, and sadly even suicide. Wow, Pastor, you're, you're getting like old fogey. Man, you turned 56 and you got old really quick. I want to follow God. And what culture says is right is not always right. And just because they 
get out there and they're proud about it and they shout and I'm not hating anyone. Because we've also seen people who call themselves Christians abuse women. And that's not right either. And I'll call that out as well. Father God, please help us to see that you want us to enjoy intimacy in a monogamous marriage between one man and one woman. Well, whoa, Pastor. But if you don't believe me, listen. Look up 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20. If you don't trust me, you don't believe me in this, please ask the Holy Spirit to show you. If you call yourself a Christian, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, not Pastor Stan, to show you the truth. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. All of the sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You're causing your own pain is what you're doing. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, the salvation of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We've got to be careful. So I can do what I want. You can, but it's not always healthy. I can jump off a cliff. I'm free to, but I'm going to die. I can speed up and down 270. I don't, I'm not under laws. I'm, and I can weave in and cause people to die because I'm being selfish. And you see, when someone gets under this libertine mindset, they don't look at you now as a person, as, a, as an object of love. They look at you as an object to be, to be conquest and to fulfill their sexual desires. We have to be careful that the culture keeps telling us, I'm free. I have my rights. But when we abuse other people, you've just gone over that line. When you see a person and you see women as an object to be taken, you're wrong. When you see children as a way for you to be perverted, you're wrong. If you see another person as just, hey, I'm going to have sex with them. Pastor, it's just sex. It's not just sex. You give part of your soul to them. I'm getting off. I know that. And you have a hook now in your soul that the devil has in your life. I'm not trying to be old-fashioned. I'm just trying to help us because we are, we are just filled with this culture around us. Let me move on, okay? Because some of you now hate. You're mad at me. I'm going to get some emails. Some of you are going to tune out. Please, if you really want to grow, you've got to receive all of it. You can't just pick and choose the gospel you want. It doesn't work that way. Number three, Christ's statements to the church. All right, move the good part, okay? I'm glad Pastor Stan was done with that. Okay, burning eyes, what? You know, like with, with my wife and, and my mom and my daughters, I mean, they're, they're, you know, that if looks could kill, right? Men, some of you men, you just haven't grasped it yet. I mean, my wife, I mean, I can walk in the room and I can, ha- I can see the look in her eye. And I walk right back out. You know, or I can see, the, I mean, or the look the kids give me or, or the look that she gives the kids. You know what I'm saying? I, and I know that that looks like it's like the x-ray. It's the burning eyes like, woo, like, hi, hon. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Oh, boy. I shouldn't ask that. I'm going to go outside and look for poison ivy. <laughs> I'll be out there for a couple days, okay? See, so here it is, the burning eyes of Jesus. Now, it wasn't the angry eyes, because some of you get to mix that. Some of you keep thinking that Jesus is like looking over, kind of burn out that sin, I'm going to burn people. That's not what Jesus came to do. He came to burn out sin so you could be free. 
He came to set you free. And the eyes of Jesus, listen, the eyes of Jesus must have fascinated people. The eyes of Jesus, when he was on earth, I mean, I, I can imagine. People actually thought that they could, they could deceive Jesus. They actually thought that they could, they could one-up or they could, you know, catch Jesus. And, and, and we see this on more than one occasion in the Gospels where they thought they could deceive Jesus or they thought they could keep their sin to themselves when it was hurting people and themselves. And really, God's burning eyes are, are, are really to, not to call us out, but to set us free from sin, hypocrisy, and destructive behaviors. Because God loves you. He wants you to be free. So you see this in Mark 3, 2 through 5. I've got to hurry up now. Some of, us, uh, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he, he would heal on the Sabbath. So he's like, I know they're thinking, I'm going to heal. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said, to this man who had the withered hand, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was made, uh, was completely restored. So he knew what they were thinking. And even the eyes of Jesus, he, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter, I'll never deny, I'll never deny you. So then after Peter denies him and, and Jesus is being held in trial, Luke 22, 61 to 62. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoken him. Before the rooster crows today, you have disowned me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You see in this same letter, verse 23 in Revelation 23, Jesus calls himself, he who searches hearts and minds. He has x-ray vision. And it's not to call you out and make you feel bad, but it's to set you free. You should be rejoicing for that. Come on, right? His desire is to help us overcome temptation, to overcome sin, to overcome deception. This is what God wants. This is the gospel. This is Jesus. You should be shouting, let her be Divine insight. You see, again, the earthly Jesus could read people's thoughts. He could, he could read what they were trying to do. Mark 2.8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? You see, even now in Thyatira, this group of believers under this self-appointed false prophet, they thought they could get away with this because they had grace. They had the special anointing. They had the special teaching. And you see, Jesus sees when we're deceived. We, we will deceive ourselves all the time. We will justify our actions. Oh, I'm just tired. It's my weakness. It, it, it's this and that. Come on, Jesus, just give me a break. He's like, I'm trying to give you a break. It's killing you. I'm trying to set you free from that. Jesus sees what's in our hearts, not to destroy us, but to free us. You should be shouting right now. To free us from sin. To free us from deception. To free us from the, the, the deceptive lies of the devil. In fact, Hebrews 4.13. Listen to this. Nothing in all creation. You're watching online. Listen. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Nothing. I can't hide anything from God. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him who we must give an account. But here's the good news. Go down to verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, here's the shouting part. Let us then approach God's great throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
Jesus didn't come to call us to go to hell. You're all a bunch of sinners. I if you ever go to church like that, you ever have believers, you're going to die. Yeah, we're all going to die. But Jesus says, I don't want you to die. I want you to get healed. I want you to be free of that. That's why I gave my life on the cross. That's why I was tempted in every way. I know what you're going through. I've been tempted in every way, but I'm here to help you to receive grace and mercy. This is the gospel, friends. The gospels are not pointing sins. You're all bad people. It's like Jesus sees it. He knows it. He says, hey, I want you to free. I want you to be free. Jesus wants you and I to be free online in the room today. He knows the pain and suffering. He knows self-deception brings pain. And he's saying, man, I've got a way for you to be free. Follow me. So number four, number four, because I got to move on. I, I know what happens when I don't preach. I, 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 like, I got extra buildup. Number four, Christ's warning to the Jezebel party. Christ's warning to the Jezebel party. Here, here it is. Repent. And a lot of times we're like, we want to be angry. Repent. <laughs> Second uh, Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people are called, they better repent. Uh, uh, no, repent. It's, the word repent means to turn away. It doesn't mean call out, make someone feel bad. It says to turn away. He's saying, he is saying, Jesus is giving this prophet, anoint self and the people. He's saying, I'm giving them a chance, Repent. Turn from that. It's destructive. It's killing you. It's, it's deceiving people. Don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore. Turn away. Turn away. That's what repentance is. And if anyone gets in your bed, you better repent. You need to say, well, okay, God help me. How about you? You see, Jesus calls them to repent, to turn away. He doesn't force them either. Because He gives us free will. Because if, you, if He forced you, then... You're not repenting. You're being manipulated. And so Jesus is, because He loves this church, He loves these people, He loves Cyber Tyra, He says, turn away, repent, get, get away from that. The door of repentance, when He is writing, He's giving John, the apostle, this letter, which will go to this church. He'll write this letter, He'll send it to the church. He's saying, He's, he's saying, I'm giving you an opportunity. The door of repentance is still open. I'm here to tell you, friends, so you oh, 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 God will never forgive me. God will forgive you. The door of repentance is still there. The God of mercy is still in existence today. You can turn from it. Don't believe the lies. I'm just a bad person. You can be free of that. The door of repentance was still open. It would not remain open forever. So there is a time when God says, all right, the door is shutting. Last chance. Last chance. Come on. Come on, he's calling you. Jesus wants us to repent before it's too late. Let her be judgment. He says, then if they don't repent, let her be judgment. If this final warning is not heeded, judgment will follow those and it would not be nice. Why? Because sin always has a steep consequence. Especially when we think we can get away with it. Especially when we call ourselves a minister or a person of God and we're living this double life. I mean, the news is full of not just pastors, but mayors and governors and business owners who are living this double life. And God says, if you call yourself a prophet, a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, you call yourself a Christian and you're living this double standard, telling people not to do it, but yet you're doing it, I'm going to call you out. He's calling us all out. None of it. No, no one is holy above all. Come on, dude. So don't ever think that well, Pastor Stan, you're perfect. I'm not perfect by any means. 
And any preacher or teacher or false prophet or prophet tells you they've got it all together, you need to run from them. This New Testament Jezebel's punishment would fit her crime. She was building up her judgment against because she was deceiving God's church. God does... Okay, this is special. This is extra. Warning. Warning. Okay? If I have a warning sign, I wish I'd have a warning. Don't mess with God's church. He loves His church. Jesus died to start the church. Don't try to divide His church or call yourself a, a self-appointed prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist, or apostle when you're not called. And if you're doing it for self-promotion. We must know that if we willingly keep doing the wrong in the face of God and laughing at Him, there's a price we're going to pay. Galatians 5, 19-21. And, and I want you to hear this because what we typically think about when we read this, we go right away to the sexually immoral or those who have an addiction and we want to cast them out. We want to make them feel bad. But I want you to hear also what else is being said here. Acts 5, 19-20. And the acts of the flesh are obvious. Yes, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. That means just do what you want, how you feel. Idolatry. Idols, and that could be a president, a political party, it could be an athlete, it could be a preacher, it can be gold, it can be anything. Idolatry will send you to hell too. Really quiet. Witchcraft. That means deceiving people with spells. Hatred. Hatred. Boy, have I seen too much hatred in our land lately. Well, they didn't vote for Trump. They didn't vote for Biden. I hate them. No, you can't. Hatred is evil. Discord. So here's what I'm talking about. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfless ambition, dissensions and factions. Here's what I've seen. I have seen self-appointed prophets come into the church and they cause discord, dissension and factions. Well, they're just, it's not funny. It's destructive. And those who participate in it are going to go to hell. Because we, we want to call out the sexual moral. We want to call out those who have uh, problems with, with an addiction. But we neglect these things. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And here's what Paul is saying. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit. We, always, we, want, to, we want to call out someone for drinking or taking drugs or being sexual immorality. But we don't want to call someone out because they have fits of rage. He's just just Sicilian or, you know, it's just my African in me or it's just the Asian. No, it's a fit of rage and you better get control of it. Or when we think it's funny when you, you know, I get in and I cause trouble at work. That's not funny. That's division and dissension. God says it's sin. And we think it's funny in the church. Well, pastor, who are you? I'm really nobody, but God has ordained me. God has called me. There's a call in my life. And I've been a part of this church for 18 years. Whoa, pastor, what are you on today? I'm on Jesus, man. He is jealous for his church. And I'm tired of too many believers calling out some of these sins, but not calling them all out. And whenever someone comes into a church and they try to divide the church, did you know pastor sins? Hey, I'll be the first one. Yeah, I sin sometimes. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy by any means. But when someone comes in and starts dividing the church and causing this in the leadership, you need to point them out and say, you are being divisive. That is sinful. When you talk about someone on the worship team or 
in the in other ministry, or you're talking about the boss, or talking about a coworker, you are sinning. Don't, it's not funny. We think it's funny. It's a tool of the devil to make us poisoned and to send us to hell. And Jesus is looking, saying, I'm seeing it. I see it. Get out of it. Don't, don't do it anymore. I want to free you from it. Number five, because I need to end. I hope you're still there. Somebody, to come back. Come back. Please come back. Some of you are like, Pastor, stand you holding us captive. It's the word of God. I hope it's that. So here's Christ's promise for the faithfulness. Verses 24 through 29. I'm not going to read it because I'm running out of time. But basically, letter A, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. You see, not all the believers in Thyatira were infected with this virus by Jezebel. Some resisted her contagion and they remained faithful to Jesus. And I'm telling you, even though society calls you a prude, even though society calls you old fashioned and calls you out of touch, it's okay. It is okay. It's okay to be biblical. In fact, it's better than being okay. There's a great reward for it. Friends, our culture, and sadly, even some in the church, call us to live in this culture of sin like them. And I have a struggle with that. I mean, if you call yourself a Christian and you're living like the world, then what's the difference? But I'm not saying be old-fashioned and religious and abuse people either. I'm not saying that either. I'm saying be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can hold on and you will, you will be rewarded. Jesus said this. He didn't say, I'm going to give you extra rules now. I'm going to give you another burden. He says, I'm not going to burden you with anything else. Just keep following me is what he's saying. But you see, today we see these people that are self-righteous believers. And they say, well, if you, if you believe Jesus, then you better, you better quote and memorize 2 Chronicles 7.14. And if not, you need to be fasting every day. Jesus never said that. And when self-righteous people give you more rules, well, you've got to read the King James Bible, because that's what Paul and Jesus preached from. Well, r- wrong. They didn't even have English back then. I mean, they had, the main culture languages were, were, were Roman, <laughs> you know, was Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And so when you run into someone, I'm just trying to be free. Well, if you're going to be free, you've got to do this, 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 and this. If it's not biblical, then you don't even need to listen to it. That's free. That's for you today. Jesus said this, John 8, 30, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30 says, take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. God doesn't give you rules to weigh you down. He gives you relationship to set you free. Friend online, he wants a relationship, not rules. Jesus is calling us to him, not more rules. He was saying to this church, I'm not going to add more rules. You already love me. Just stay faithful to that. The last things of getting down is victorious through doing Jesus's will. Let her be victorious through doing Jesus's will. Jesus is gracious and forgiving. First John 1 9 says that if we confess, if we do sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. It doesn't say if we confess our sins, then you better, you better repent and crawl on the floor. No. He says, I will cleanse you and I will help you. That's the gospel. Come on, this is, this is awesome, right? Jesus wants you to be free of sin, self-deception, and this corrupted culture. Here it is, John. Here's, here's what Jesus said. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. That's it. 
Not always easy, but that's it. He calls us to obey his teachings, which will always lead us to victory. Second Peter 1, 3 through 4. I've read this to you before, but you need to write this down. You need to get this in your, in, in your mind and, and repeat it to yourself. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil. So, Pastor Stan, you don't get it. I'm struggling. Man, I got struggles too. Paul even said, who doesn't lust? Who doesn't burn? He says, I struggle too. But here he's saying, but God is giving us power. Call on him. That's all. He said, God, I need help. I need help. And God's not going to say, well, you deserve it. No, he's going to say, I'm here to help. I'm here to free you. I'm here to help you. This is what the gospel's about. It's not about people going to hell. It's about being people free. Come on, amen. There's a reward. He says it here in, in Revelation 2, 25-6. Except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who's victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. So the last part, letter C, is this. Here's the good news, friends. If we live for Jesus, if we, we follow the gospel, we're going to share with Christ in his glory. Sharing in Christ's reign. Jesus gives them things to look forward to. Saying, this world is not your home. Heaven is your home. This earthly life we're living, this is not the show. This is the pre-show getting you ready for the show. Eternity. He says that we will reign with him in eternity. Luke 19 through 17. Well done, my good and faithful servant. His master replied, because you've been trustworthy in the very small matters, take charge of ten cities. In other words, he's watching what we do and be given. And if we're faithful with it, he'll give us more. Romans 8, 17. Now, if you are children, then you are co your heirs with and heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share his glory. It's not always popular being a biblical Christian, but it's worth it. Secondly, we will be with him in eternity and we will not have to suffer in a cruel, messed up society or in the judgment that's coming for those that continue to disobey him. Revelation 21. Worship team, can you come? You can stand in the room right now. And if you want to stand online at home, you can. You can still sit there. Revelation 21, 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things of pastor. I look forward to that. Christ not only promising that the faithful will share in his authority, but they'll also share in his glory. Not here, but in heaven. Revelation 2. 3 through 5, because it talks about the morning star. They, they, they'll, they'll have the morning star, meaning they'll be able to worship at the feet of Jesus. I am looking for that day when I will be able to worship at the feet of Jesus, when I'll have a renewed, glorified body. I look forward to that day when I will not fall to my temptation, that, that no more COVID will keep us from the presence of God. Verse 22-5, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. 
They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give him light, and they will reign forever and ever. The morning star is our light. God will reward us for remaining faithful until the end. It is worth it. It is worth it. This is not the show. This is the pre-show, before the show of eternity. Will you and I be ready? Don't let the culture tell you what Christianity is about. Let the gospel of Jesus show you what Christianity is about. It's liberating. It is. It's freedom. Be tolerant. Be loving. But don't tolerate evil. Love what is good. And be good to a world that's messed up. Will you and I be ready? Friend watching online, will you be ready? Those in the room, will you be ready? You see, what we tolerate will become a dangerous burden if it's not right. But only Jesus can give us free liberty. So maybe online, maybe here in the room, you've not accepted Jesus. You've, not, you've heard me talk about it. Maybe you've heard other gospel preachers talk about Jesus. Jesus came to set the captive free. Free us from depression, discouragement, devastating mindsets, sin, the devil, our own self-deception. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from this messed up culture. God wants you happy. He wants you to be free. He wants you to enjoy all that He has. Don't let the culture define what was truly real and what's good for you. Let the gospel do that. Maybe online, maybe you're saying, you know what, I'm ready to accept Jesus. Then do it. That's all you need to do. The Bible says that if you believe you will be saved. It's really that simple. You don't have to go through a long prayer. You don't have to go through a membership class. We offer that to help you. But would you do that right there? Just take that step of faith. So you know what? This libertine lifestyle is hurting me. Or this, this tolerant lifestyle that I'm trying to live, it's killing me. Jesus is not there to judge you. Say, man, I'm going to free you from that. Follow me. And you will be free. So, Father, for us in the room, those online that are saying, I need you, Jesus, would you help them? Forgive us of our sins. Now, be the, be the Lord of our lives today. And, God, I'm not going to call anyone up. I'm not going to call anyone out today because I'm not perfect either, God. I want all of us to be freed of the poison of the culture that's around us. That fills up our minds. That fills us up. Would you help us to be free of that and read and know you, Lord God, in the Bible and have a relationship with you? You don't want rules. You don't want religion. You want a relationship. So God, help us to deal with the poison vines that have come up. And every one of us have a different one or two. Help us, God. We repent. We turn from it. Because you're calling us to you. That's what your gospel is about. So set us free today, God, because you want us to be truly free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's worship today. You just respond to the Lord however you want today. God bless you. I love you. In the coming week. God bless you.